We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Have your Bibles turned to John 21. We're going to be looking at a miracle in John 21. And this is a post-resurrection miracle. Jesus has already went to the cross. He has suffered, died. He has been resurrected from the dead. Now he is appearing to the disciples. And this is his third appearance to them as a group. Uh, he's appeared to them individually, uh, several of them, but he is appearing to them in, in, in a group. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But I want to lay the foundation for this today. And I want you to look at somebody beside you and say, he's fixing to tell us more that, it's, that he is more than enough. Come on, look at him and say, he's more than enough. He is more than enough. And when God does things, it is more than enough. John 21 is, is of course... It precedes chapter 21, when, and, and after these things, Jesus showed himself to his, again to his disciples. In chapter 20, John tells us of two appearances of Jesus to the disciples uh, coming uh, one week apart. And so Jesus wasn't exactly showing up on a daily basis. He, was, he would show up here, and then it might be several days, and he would appear to them again. Now, he shows up in, this, in John 20, the 20th chapter, and it's like one week apart. He had shown himself to individuals, but this is the third time that, they, that the disciples as a group have witnessed him. How long after the last appearance recorded in chapter 20, we do not know. We do not know, uh, uh, we do know that it was a 40-day period that Jesus dwelt on the earth after the resurrection, but we don't know how, you know how many days these appearances were separated by. He was manifesting himself to them on, a very, on various occasions and in various places. He had instructed them to go to Galilee, the Galilee region, and he would meet them there. Matthew 28, 7 says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you're going to see him. See, I have told you. Uh, in other words, he said, Go tell the disciples. Tell them that this is where I'll meet with them. Matthew tells us that Jesus told them to meet, uh, on, meet on a certain mountain in Galilee, and he appeared to them there. The appearance recorded here is not given to us in any chronological order. So we do not know if it happened before he met with them on the mountain or after. We do know that they, that they returned to Jerusalem possibly for the, the Feast of Pentecost. And about 10 days before the feast, Jesus appears for the last time prior to his ascension. In other words, Jesus was during the time of Pentecost, the, fe the festival of Pentecost, he appears to them, and then 10 days after, we have the giving of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It would seem that they then, for the most part, remained in Jerusalem, and there was, that was kind of the headquarters of the early church where they based out of. 
I find it interesting that there is no mention of any work in Galilee region. The book of Acts strangely is silent whether God did any miracles, any signs, any wonders in the region of Galilee. This is not to say that it did not happen, only that there is no recorded record of it. Perhaps it is because of the curse that Jesus put on many of the cities in the region of Galilee for their unbelief. Capernaum uh, uh, was one of those cities. Masada was one of those cities that were all singled out and were, and, and in other words, were giving a uh, woe, so to speak, of judgment. This is how he shows himself. In John 21 and verses 1 through 14, we're going to read that and then we're going to kind of break this down. After this, Jesus reveals himself again to his disciples, verse 1, by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you. They went out and got into the boat, but, but that night they caught nothing. Just as, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do, not, do you not have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciples whom Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. Immediately John recognizes that it is Jesus when they had not recognized it was Jesus because he knew that only Jesus could do this great thing, this great miracle. The moment that John declares it is the Lord, Simon Peter heard uh, that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and they and, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out of uh, out on land, they saw some uh, charcoal fire in place with with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Now there, remember the Bible does not include things by coincidence, and we'll go back to this verse in just a little bit. And although they were so, there were so many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have, have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish, some, so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Seven of the eleven disciples were together at the sea, and they were named Simon Peter. That was one of them. His name, his given name was Simon, which in the in the Hebrew uh, is Simeon or Shimon, which means to listen or to or hearing. In other words, he's listening or hearing is what his name actually meant. He was renamed by Jesus uh, Petros in the Greek, which after his confession that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Petros in the Greek means little stone. In contrast. Petra, which means massive rock. 
Then Jesus said in verse 17, blessed are you of, 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 of chapter 6. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, or Petros, little rock, uh, and uh, you're the little rock, and on this rock, he changes the word, which means Petra, which means foundational stone. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So we find that in the previous chapter of John that Jesus has revealed himself and, 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 and he says to them, what is the word on the street? We've shared this verse before and the disciples reply back. Some say you're John the Baptist that, is, that has come again. Some say that you're Elijah some say you're one of the other prophets and Jesus looks at them and says but who do you say that I am you kind of hear crickets and all of a sudden Peter speaks up and he says well at that time he was known as Simon says you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus looks at him and in the process renames him and says your name now will mean little rock you're a, you're a strong man you have a, a, a you, you are a man of strength so your name is going to not just be the, the name of hearing Simon who hears, but you're going to be known for your strength. You are Petros, or you are the little rock. He goes on to say, and the gates of hell, or Petra, will not prevail against what? Against this revelation of who I am. So again, as we look at this name and we go through chapter 21, this man who had now become kind of the leader of the group, Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we'll go with you. Immediately we see the leadership qualities of Peter because his decision brings about the fun following of the other disciples. If you're going fishing, we'll all go fishing. They went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. In other words, they looked and they searched for fish, but they couldn't find any fish. Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. Perhaps this was because he, he, he realized that Jesus had appeared to him before this way. He was missing Jesus. Jim brought that out earlier. He was grieving because he for three years he was by him. Now all of a sudden he didn't see him very often. He had appeared sporadically since the resurrection and he didn't know what he was going to do. But listen, if we're not careful, when we feel like Jesus isn't present, we'll run back to our past. We'll run back to a place of comfort. You see, the sea was where Peter found comfort. The sea was where Peter found familiarity. In other words, I'm familiar with this. This is something I know about. So I'm going to go back to that which I know because I don't know about resurrections. And I don't know about the Son of God. And I'm, I'm a little confused at where this thing can head from here because now he was dead and now he's alive and we've seen him. But then he disappears and we don't see him for weeks and then he reappears so I'm uncomfortable with the situation so let me go back to that which I'm familiar with 
And I believe this is a trait that many of us carry as believers in Christ, that when things seem uncomfortable and uncertain, we kind of run back to our old ways. We kind of run back to what we're familiar with. We go back to that which we're comfortable with. But I need you to understand something this morning. If we're going to be a church where the miracles of God flows, then we've got to get un, un, we've got to get comfortable with the unfamiliar. We've got to get comfortable with not knowing what tomorrow holds, but understanding who holds it. Because way back earlier, we got a revelation that this was the Son of God and that he knows what he's doing. Peter went to that which was familiar, and the disciples followed along. It may have been that they had waited for a few days, and when Jesus didn't show up, see, they followed a command. Jesus told them, what, go to this region and wait. Maybe Simon was getting a little antsy. You ever had God tell you to wait on something? Amen. The most hated phrase that my parents could ever tell me growing up when I wanted something was, we'll see. We'll see. Give me yes, I'll rejoice. Give me no, I'll rebel. But don't give me we'll see. Don't give me in the middle. Give me definites. If you're looking for a definite from God, then you're going to have to get a long, you're going to have to learn some patience in your walk. Amen? You're going to have to learn that waiting on God is part of the process. Jesus had told them to wait, and maybe, maybe Peter just got a little antsy, and he said, you know what? I got nothing else to do. I'm going to occupy my time by fishing. Whether or not it was because he was running back to that which was familiar or he was just passing the time, the point is, he went back to his old means of livelihood because sometimes trusting and having faith is a very difficult process. Let's go fishing is something that suggests let's get back to what's familiar. We see how the leadership of his, of his character comes out in this because immediately the other six says, we're going with you. That must have been one long night. Because they toil all night long and they catch nothing. Now, I've been fishing a few times. And when you don't catch anything, you know what you do? You go get a gill. As in an Adam gill. <laughs> I, promise, I promise they could throw a hook in a mud puddle and catch something. No. True fishermen will sit there all day whether they catch something or not in the hopes of catching something. Those that aren't true fishermen, when the fish ain't biting, they're ready to go. Come on. I'm afraid there's a lot of us that have not developed a long-term mentality when it comes to seeing God's plan coming to fruition in our life. And when the fish ain't biting the way we think they should, we go back to that which is familiar. I want you to understand the principle of Jesus is always going to be that he will receive the maximum glory at the, at the, at the, at the, at the precise time. And he is looking for each of us to be patient in the process as he leads us. In other words, 
They're out there fighting it all night long. They caught nothing. And when God has called you to leave the nets and follow him, you can't really hope to have much success going back to the, to the old ways. Come on. What was the call to, to them? To leave your nets and come and follow me. And now they're picking their nets back up. There is nothing more exciting than fishing when you're catching fish. But there is nothing more boring when the fish ain't biting. Come on. Maybe, maybe if we're not careful, we will give up right before the fish start biting or right before Jesus shows up in the situation. Because when the morning had come, now Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize him. I, I, I love this because I, I call it sneaky Jesus. Jesus was very visible before his death and resurrection, but after he was resurrected, he got kind of sneaky. Think about the, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't recognize him till he what? Blessed the bread broke it and then they recognized him now the disciples he's standing on the shore now there is nothing worse than somebody who's going to to you know if you've been battling something all night long can you imagine how they felt i wonder what their tone was how, how was their tone have you caught anything of course we haven't caught anything does it look like we've caught anything They answered no. He now told them to cast their nets on the right side of the ship and they would find fish. Now, something had to be drawing them to listen to this because I, I, I don't know. I have been around too many stubborn people in my day and, 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 and reading, reading this scripture, I kind of feel like Peter could be a little bit stubborn sometimes. Don't, don't you, okay, what is the most, you know what the most aggravating thing for, for somebody to do to me is, and most people, is for them to tell me to do something while I'm in the process of doing it. Okay. Won't point any fingers tonight. Can you get those clothes out of the dryer while I'm bringing the clothes in from the dryer? Okay. Any, nobody else gets aggravated being told to do something that they're already doing. Okay. Nobody. Okay. Y'all pray for me. I'm lost. So. Why Peter didn't tell him to mind his own business, I don't know. But Peter does what? He casts his nets on the right side of the boat. Many times the only difference between failure and success is the, is the direct service or the non-directed service. In other words, it is us, our obedience or our, our disobedience. On his own, Peter said, I'm going fishing. With all his experience, knowledge, and skill, he caught nothing. Now Jesus is directing his activities. Jesus is guiding his, 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 his service or, 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 and expecting him to be obedient. What a difference it makes. The difference between total failure and complete success came upon listening to a simple command of if you'll just trust me you'll find fish on the other side of the boat if you'll just trust me Peter there's fish to be found there are some of us that have given up on situations that we have been battling for a long long time we have wrestled with it for night after night after night after night and in our life we have had a we are, we're frustrated we're tired we, we we should be able to accomplish it because we have some skill in this area 
But I want you to understand something. It is only God that can bring to fruition the things that he wants us to see in the forms of miracles. And if you don't believe this is a miracle, I want you to understand how it applies to our life. The, what Jesus was teaching them is your skill and your talent and your ability will only carry you so far. But when you add to it your obedience to him, amazing things can happen. I'm here to tell you, obedience will bring about miracles. Obedience will bring about to, to fruition the things that we have prayed and sought God about. Lately, I'm hearing God say, all you need to do is obey me. All you need to do is listen and obey me, and I'll bring it to pass. Notice how confident Jesus is in their success. <laughs> what does he say? And you'll find them. Cast your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll find them. He didn't say, yeah, I think you'll have a little luck. Uh, uh, you know what? I, 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 you know, I, I, I think if you'll just do this, maybe. No, he says, if you will do what I say, you will find them. I want you to understand we need God to do some amazing things in our personal lives, in our families, and in our church, and in our community. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is standing right in front of us, but sometimes we can't see him. Sometimes we don't recognize him in the situation, and he is calling to us if we will leave that which we think we know and begin to trust in his voice and in his direction he's fixing to bring an abundance that you have never even dreamed you would find Amen. when the morning had come Jesus was still there in other words I wonder how long Jesus was on the shore was he there all night saying, all right, boys, just a little few more hours till daybreak and you can learn a valuable lesson. Just a little bit longer and you can learn some things. They followed his instructions and immediately the net was full of large fish. The Bible didn't say small fish, it said large fish. As a matter of fact, if you do a little research here, it meant every fish was a large fish. Now, I've been fishing, and not every fish I ever caught is large fish, all right? But every fish was a large fish, so much that they were unable to pull the nets into the ship because of the number of fish. This was a fisherman's dream. Big fish, but not just big fish, plenty of them. John the, man, uh, uh, John, the man quick on perception, immediately looks and says what? I, you know what, guys? I think it's Jesus. You know what, fellas? I think it's the Lord. Now, I want to give John a lot of credit for his revelation, but honestly, I don't think it took much for him to recognize that this was a supernatural act. I don't think it took much for any of them to recognize it. John was just the first one to point it out. What are you trying to say? When God moves and finally gives you your breakthrough, he wants to get the maximum glory for what he does that nobody can give credit to their skills, their abilities, or anything else. I think God, he has led me to lead this church but I'm here to tell you he's clearing his word some water some plant but God gives the increase if God's going to move in this church it's going to be because of our obedience to him it's going to be because we listen to him he realized that this was a dramatic change from failure to success in other words, he could only attribute this success to one person that he knew in his life, and that was Jesus. 
Perhaps this took him back to the time when they were first attracted to Jesus. Jesus had borrowed Peter's boat that morning after a fruitless night of fishing. After Jesus had addressed the multitude, he told Peter to cast his nets into the deep and let down his nets for, a, uh, for, for some fish. Peter accommodated and said, we have fished all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will do it. As Peter's be ship began to sink with a number of fish, he called out to James and John on the shore to come out in their, their ships to join him for the great haul of fish. Maybe this was a deja vu moment. I don't, understand, I don't understand all that's going here, but I'm here to tell you another thing that I think may be at work here. When in doubt, do your first works over. When in doubt, go back to home plate. When in doubt, you go back to those grassroots of what brought you to where you need to be. I'm going to tell you, lately over the last few months and last few years, God has been taking me back to where I first began it all. And where did I first begin? I began at the cross. I began on my knees. I began seeking the face of God. We need fresh anointing. We need a move of the Spirit. And it's not going to come because I've read enough books. It's not going to come because I've got the master plan of church growth. It's going to come because the anointing of the Holy Spirit falls upon the church of the living God. We need a move. We need miracles. And it comes on our knees. They went back to the beginning. They went back to where the first fruits were seen. A deja vu moment. As God does again for them how it all began. He, it's amazing, isn't it? How it all began. Began with a multitude of fish. Now, and all of a sudden, after his death and his resurrection, once again, he reestablishes. I don't understand how every one of them didn't scream out, it's Jesus. Especially Peter and James and John. Why? Because they were there the first time. All of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute. I remember when this happened. About three, three and a half years ago, he had just got through speaking to the multitude. And we were out in the boat, and he said, put down your nets. We're going to catch some more fish. And what happens? They said, Peter looks at him and says, man, we have done this. Are you kidding? I have fished all night long. I've just listened to you preach. I'm ready to go to the house. But he obeys. There it is again. It began with obedience, and now it is continuing with obedience. If we are unwilling to submit and obey, we cannot expect God to use us. Amen? We cannot expect God to use us. Sometimes we get it in our head how we think God should use us. Or this is the only way God can use us. I have had God change things on me time after time after time in my ministry. How I began, he changed. Where I'm at now, he's changed it. He's changed time and time again. And I thought, well, Lord, this is the only way you can ever use me. And God's saying, no, let down your net. I'm fixing to show you a miracle. I'm fixing to show you something great. He will always provide more than enough. Verse 11 says, So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish. I love the way the Bible includes 153 of them. And although there were so many, there were not, the nets were not torn. 
In other words, God will always provide more than enough. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man, or man or ma- a heart of, of man's imagination, what God has prepared for those who love him. John 15, 20, uh, 15 verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it to you. Time after time, if I, I could go verse after verse after verse, that God is not just ready to meet your need, he's ready to exceed and go beyond what you're asking. I'm here to tell you today, God is ready to do more than we can ever imagine. I remember Easter, I asked him, I just want one soul, and we ended up with 10 souls that day. What are you saying? I'm telling you, God will do beyond what you ask if you'll obey. If you'll just let down your net, if you'll just go back, look, it didn't make sense to keep on fishing after you hadn't caught anything all night long. But they went on. 103 fish, large fish. What does this mean to us? Little. But to fishermen, a lot. A lot. They had not seen that many fish since the beginning of all of it. And these were large fish. In other words, they realized that my God can do a beyond what I mean. Now see, for us, it doesn't mean that much. But for a fisherman, this, what is he saying? He's saying to the group that was about to carry this gospel to the entire world, if I can do this with what you're familiar with, imagine what I can do with what you're unfamiliar with. He says, I want your fruit to remain. I want, you see, I've seen a lot of fruit in my ministry over the last 30 plus years. I've seen souls saved. I've seen people set free. But you know what? Uh, Unfortunately, I haven't seen everybody remain faithful to God. I wish I could sit here today and tell you everybody that's ever gotten saved under my ministry, in other words, I preached or I shared with them the gospel that they're still uh, living for God today. I can't truthfully tell you that because I've watched many lay down their nets and go, or or lay down Jesus and go back to their nets and never look back again. Never, Never go back to church, never go back to serving God in their life again. But I will tell you this, God does give us remaining fruit. I'm ready for God to do some things that remain. How about you? Some fruit that remains in my life, some things that I can count on in my life. And he was saying to every one of those disciples, I can give you fish, but when I do it, it's going to be mind blowing what I do. Some of us have a small vision of what God can do in our lives. And if I'm going to tell you, it's a small thing just to want to get to heaven. That's small. Because when I first started out, I'll just be truthful with you. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. That was it. Heaven was better than hell. Because, buddy, them old preachers could preach hell very vividly and very real. I accused my dad of turning the heat on in the middle of July when he preached on hell. Come on. They knew how to do it, buddy. They would scare you to death. And if you were already saved, you were like, I'm, I'm doing it again.
When I first started out, I just didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. But if the only reason I live for Jesus is to escape hell, oh my goodness, what have I missed? What am I missing? What are you missing, church? If you're just trying to escape hell, I'm going to tell you what you're missing. The greatest love and relationship you'll ever have in your life. Well, I thought your wife was the greatest thing. You're going to be in trouble. No, I'm not, because I've told her and she'd tell you the greatest relationship I have in my life is Jesus, because I wouldn't know her, I wouldn't have her in my life if it wasn't for the Lord. Why? Because the Bible says every good gift comes from the Father. Every good thing in my life is because of Jesus. Every good blessing in my life is because of Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, it is because of him that I have everything in my life that is good and right and holy. Because of him. Don't just live for him to escape hell. Live for him because of the abundance of the relationship he wants to have in your life. Will you stand? So what miracles do you need? God wants to do further than you think. He wants to go greater than you think. He wants to do things beyond your imagination if you'll let him. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.